Davila, how you doing? Happy Saturday. Deemer, let's do this shit. Oh yeah, we're doing this shit. Yes, this is what we're doing. I'm excited. It's a big week. All right, what's the big week? Why is it a big week? Well, I mean, I think the main thing is uh, DeSantis. You know, DeSantis and the and the Twitter thing. And yeah, I mean, he he's been the most supported candidate by the establishment. So this is, a, I think, a huge launch. Okay. So what happened? Uh, he did a Twitter Spaces, you know, campaign launch with uh, Elon Musk, David Sachs. Who I'm, I'm sure you know a, a lot more about than me. Um, and there was other people on it, uh, some certain, uh, you know, very influential people, I think got to ask questions and talk about their work with them in Florida and stuff like that. And he gave his canned speech, which was very, very canned. I thought he was clearly reading it obviously, which is fine. Um, but he, they talked for ever what they talked for an hour and it was pretty significant. So, uh, why why, why do you feel that was significant? Well, I mean, this is the new establishment guy, the, 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 that wing of the Republican Party, I think Fox, I think now maybe Elon Musk, they're, they're backing this particular gentleman to upend Trump and, or to spur his future national political career. He's already been in the, the U.S. House right. and he's the governor of Florida. But I think down the road, whether we like it or not, he's going to be either a vice president or the president as long, you know, I mean, it. it Unless he unless he botches it horribly, you know he's got a ton of establishment support, a ton of establishment support. So, uh, I just think it's huge. I, what do you think about like them launching on Twitter and Twitter Spaces in, in general? Do you think that was the, uh, important or relevant or? <clears throat> because one of the one of the things I hear from people is that um, by doing this shows the how irrelevant the mainstream media is becoming, and so you're just finding these different. Um, channels in order to, you know, uh, do these events, to connect with people, you know, more directly without going through these different channels and these different channels, creating a narrative. I saw a comment about this that said, hey, good job, guys, you've invented radio, um, which I thought it was, honestly, I wish more people said that because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, besides that, the, besides the difference between that and radio, like radio, you could call in, so it's like, you know, so, I mean, it kind of is radio. Yeah, no video, can, no video. Yeah, but you, can, but you can see comments and and, and see who all is watching and see the number of people watching, but it's not that much different than radio. Right, right. I agree. It's it's Twitter's kind of podcast slash audio slash radio purely listening thing. But you like you said, you can see who's in the room. People can tweet live, you know, comment live, criticize live, whatever you may. Um, it's definitely like radio. It's it's definitely a new medium similar to radio as opposed to video and whatever we consider. News. But do you think do you think it's significant? Well, I think, oh, the Twitter spaces part about it. Just a whole launching campaign, because usually a campaign launches via rally. Why I think it's significant is it's clear that the richest man in the world sees this guy as a candidate that he wants. They're, they're, they're trading influence, right? Let me use a little bit of your influence. You use a little bit of my influence. We'll increase each other's influence and power and legitimacy. Right. So I think the fact that it's the richest man in the world's uh, platform and and he carries more you know we've criticized the the cliche one person one vote before Elon Musk is more powerful than me and you you know what I mean because he kind of can now teach people how to vote he can shadow ban if he so chooses he says he's not doing it right, right? he says hey this is a platform where all presidential candidates are invited now I don't think that's true. Being a candidate who was not allowed in the plane dealer, they would not put my name in the local news. I don't buy that. I don't believe that to be true. I think you have to be one of the canned um, 
people who's been permitted to be right. in this election. I mean, every every year you have multi, like many people running for president that you just never hear about. You them. never hear about. Them. I mean, they pay their they, they get their signatures. They pay their their. I think it's like a five thousand dollar. Um, what we call it fee to mm -hmm. become and um. And you become president. I mean, you run for president, but you don't hear about a lot of them. And yeah. they, a lot of them don't even make the debate stages. Uh, but I mean, some races and some years, like the Republican primary back in uh, 16, you had, you know, what? It was like 20 dozen. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. And then even the Democratic. Uh, yeah, more than 20. And I, only 20 can get on the debate stage. Oh, yeah. But they had two debate stages, yeah. was it? 10 and 10, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was huge. There's a lot of people. I mean, so I'm, I'm really curious to see how he uses it. And I think that was the biggest red flag for me. And, and this was the, the red flag I had. Is that I think that we see, and I told my friend this yesterday. Um, we, I, I, I'm scared that the populace is getting desensitized to blatant um, corruption, coercion, uh, billionaire influence, and stuff like that. For example, uh, the whole stock trading from Congress. You know, it, be, before it's like, oh, we think they're doing it. You know, or or it's like George Soros was always in the back, the big billionaire. George Soros is funding all these candidates, and you're like. Oh, I think this is happening. And they always stood, were behind the curtain. And now we have blatant that um, people are out there. It's, it's obvious and it's, and it's out there and transparent that, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Diane Feinstein, um, Crenshaw, all these guys are, are gaming the market when it comes to, you know, making stock trades. Again, Crenshaw went into Congress broke. Now he's a multimillionaire. You know, this is, it's obvious. Like I said, George Soros was always in the back end, or these billionaires were always on the back end. The, Co the Koch brothers were always in the back end. But now we have a platform where you have two billionaires, the richest man in the world and a multi-billionaire himself, David Sachs, um, obviously in collusion with the president of, or trying to get this person to be president of the United States. And it's just like, hey, it's not even hidden anymore. It's like, hey, I'm the billionaire that's going to introduce the president of the United States. Right. You know, and, I, and that's just like, I don't know. I, I have, it gives me a, it's, not, it's a red flag and also gives me a bad taste. Like we're just becoming too blatant with our, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You know me. This is my whole campaign. Uh, you know, my main point of my campaign is we need to shed the influence of big money in politics, mm -hmm. right? Again, it's not really one person, one vote. It's how famous are you? That's how much you can convince people who's a legitimate candidate and who's not a legitimate candidate. Right. Even though I would argue, you know, DeSantis and Trump and Biden and these people, they don't fight for policies that's making the country any better. That's why we've been getting worse for a long time and more unhappy. And so... Uh, Elon Musk is not, he doesn't identify with the regular person in the regular family. And neither does David Sachs. And I would argue neither does Ron DeSantis. I don't care that he has a wife and kids. You know what I mean? And, and the same goes for Trump. And, and I get it. A lot of people are, uh, a lot of people buy into the, the narrative that he's a class trader and all this stuff. I don't buy into that narrative. Right. You know, these are billionaires and, mil, mil, and, you know, significant millionaires running the show via the consultants that, that you complain about all the time, these bullshit consultants with these jobs. And so um, right. I think you're right. It's getting more and more visible. Like the Cokes was a great example. We kind of know, we kind of we feel it in our, in our genes, yeah, we in our hear, blood. Yeah, we hear a rumor here and there. Yeah. We know that they're making this pack. We know that they're supporting this candidate. Yeah. But they're not they're going out there and stumping for him. You exactly. know? They're not introducing him on their platforms. It's not like they're welcoming, welcoming, welcoming the, the presidential candidate that they're supporting to Coke Industries and saying, hey, we're at Coke Industries, and I'm Mr. Uh, Mr. Coke, and I'm going to support this guy, and and hey, go, why don't you give a speech or something? Exactly. And, and my <laughs> tell what you think. Yeah, and my argument would, would be that they limit debate. These billionaires limit debate. CNN sets the agenda, right? And so for me personally, uh, I don't even know whether it's true or not, but we've heard some rumors about DeSantis um, being kind of a Gitmo attorney and, and kind of witnessing torture and things like that. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not. I know 
that he only had to answer for what Musk, Sachs, that one doctor, uh, whoever else it was, uh, worked with him in Florida. The you know, they set the agenda. Now, the way CNN does on the Trump interview, um, the way Biden won't be asked to be doing debates and things like that, they right. limit free speech and debate. Right. And uh, so that's my problem with the Twitter spaces thing. Just like any other, just new medium, new time, new generation, new decade. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't like to demonize people that have money and say, like, they're out of touch. Because, you know, just because you have money doesn't mean you're out of touch, you know. And I think that that's a false narrative. Um, but it, it, it's... it's <clears throat> it's interesting because of the social media we have a connection. For example, um, you know, David Sachs is part of the All In podcast. You watch them every day or every week. You know, they put out, put out a show. I do. You do, and, right. and, and then you, and then in general, you kind of get to know these guys. Like, oh, I know their personalities. I know what they do. I know what they, they think. They, you know, they, they have these conversations between the, the four guys on there. But, and then you, so you find this kinship and this attachment to them and the brand that they're building. And then all this, and then you kind of like get into their camp, like saying, hey, hey, yeah, I'm gonna defend this guy or defend that guy, whatever. But at the end of the day, um, they don't live in the same world you do, and you don't have the ability to even have access to those guys in the world that they live in, and the d differentiation of power and um, you know influence that they wield over exactly the, the me or you or whatever is drastically different, drastically different. But at the same time, we feel that I think the I think the smoke and mirror or the gaslighting thing here is is that we feel that we have a kinship or connection to them because of the you know the podcast, the YouTube, the you know, the, the way that they're, they're putting themselves out on social media. Yeah, they put themselves out there for, right. for you to see, for most of, most of which you'll agree with. Some of which will be like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. But, they, but to give them the credit, they do put themselves out there. Oh, 100%. And, which and, is kind of what we're trying to do. And, 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 and I like sax. I do like sax. But I, I don't want to also, you know, be... I also don't want to take away that. The fact is he's using his massive wealth to influence this and to, you know... Make the agenda. Um, my my friend and I were talking just the other day, and he said, you know, you go, there's a uh, there's a interview with uh, Chamath Palihapitiya, who's also a person from the All In podcast. He's worth I don't know, a, a, maybe a billion and a half, maybe two billion, something like that. Anyway, he, he, this interview, and I haven't seen it yet, but my friend told me about it. He said that in 2016, 2017, uh, Chamath Palihapitiya said that I want to. There's a, there's a handful of guys that are in the world that are controlling the narrative, that are that are running things. It's 130 billionaires. Uh, you know, big influence people that run, that run the country. He's like, I want to get to that point. You know, and, and, and again, I haven't seen it. This is what he said. I don't doubt that that's what he said. And it just shows you that you can you can work your way into that. You know. Sure. I mean, I, I think that, that I think that this is showing that they have became become um, very influential because of you know who they are, the, the medium that they're putting out, also the money that they have. And now that you see that they're like Chamath is backing Nikki Haley. Um, or at least donate to her. I don't know how much he's backing her. You yeah. know, David Sachs obviously. They could the donate to multiple candidates. David Sachs is obviously backing uh, DeSantis. Um, Elon Musk. I think he's just trying to promote his his platform. <laughs> which is fair. Which, which is a businessman. I mean, yeah. He's, yeah, he's trying to he's trying to get mm -hmm. you know. Honestly, I, I don't look at him as supporting um, DeSantis. I, I see him as as supporting his platform, saying like, hey. If you get all these people on here, like right. all the presidential candidates, this is good for our revenue. I think Musk wants RFK, wants Trump. I think he's upset. Trump's probably not tweeting, even if Trump were to tweet uh, insulting insulting him. You know what I mean? I think what's good for Musk is business, right? We've uh, talked about this with Bud Light in the past. He wants his thing to get more popular. He wants more people to sign up, wants more people to subscribe because they're doing subscribers now on Twitter. Right. They're using the spaces. So uh, he's trying. He, they, maybe Tucker's going to Twitter. He wants everybody's eyeballs to follow to Twitter. Right, right. What do you, what do you think of, of the contents of his launch? Do you think that he said anything that is noteworthy? <sighs> I, 
not to me personally. I mean, I, I'm I'm not the type to um, get into far right politicians. I mean, I I think it's fair. I think those terms are being kind of changed now. What's far right? What's far left? Blah 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 blah. But you know, he talked a lot about immigration and the border. He talked about the corp, the, his his battle versus. Um, <clears throat> Disney. He talked about censorship, which um, rings very true to me. You know what I mean? I uh, talked, yeah, COVID and censorship and, and what they did with, you know, so he talked about a lot of stuff, which is, which is all fair, but um, I don't think he addressed anything that he's proposing that Trump isn't or Biden isn't that the, the majority of the people in both parties want to see. I, 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 I think I only caught about 80 or 90% of it. I don't think I caught the full interview, the full speech, but he didn't say nothing about term limits. He didn't really say anything about getting um, money out of politics. He didn't really talk about the minimum wage. You know, He talked about immigration. and, and I, I, you know, So for me personally, none of it was like, like when RFK talks, I'll be like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Yes. Yes. That needs to be in the debate. That needs to be in the discussion. I think the only thing with that, with his speech that ring true to me with that was government censorship, you know, or censorship of, of big tech, you know, so that was the only thing that mattered to me personally. So, yeah, I think that he has to title of his talking points. You know, again, I, I want to go back to this conversation with me and my friend yesterday, just because, you know, he had a lot of points that I didn't think about. And he's like, he's like, first of all, the, the, the launch I was, I was looking at this as, there's been a, a couple of presidents that launched, or people running for president that launched, and I and I think that a launch is supposed to be used for uh, marketing fodder to move you through the next couple months, so you can you know get more connections as well as uh, get on more platforms, but also kind of like figure out how people react to your message, and then twer- they tweak it for the for like three months down the line. And so with RFK, it was kind of like he launched. It was a traditional launch. I think that he did a very, you know, it was a very good launch, but traditional launch. But he used clips and, 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 and you know, uh, bits and pieces of that launch for social media and so on and so forth, which put him on different um, outlets and platforms to continue that conversation. Uh, with the with the Twitter spaces, I think that there was technical issues. I don't know how much it was planned, how much it wasn't planned, how much they can spin that and use that for a positive or negative. Um, but I, I, I feel that, you know, the... the that they're kind of using this as a cleanup more than they are using it as a perpetuation of the talking points. Like he was talking about, you know, um, immigration, like you said, he was talking about the woke mob. Uh, woke he was, stuff, yes. He was talking about, you know, um, different policies that he put into Florida. And those are the, I feel that, the, the, that those are the second part of the conversation because the first part of the conversation was what, how he launched, who he launched with, and the technical issues of that. And I don't think that that's really a positive for keeping the conversation with that said, um, or, or continuing the conversation of his policies and what he stands for as a president. With that said, my, my friend brought up a really good point is most people aren't going to remember in a year that nobody remembers launches and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. He's now running for president. That's the, that's the, the only thing that matters. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You can more kind of kill yourself than you can help yourself because you said this, uh, I don't know, ingenious thing about how we can solve immigration or something like that. Um, I, I think that this is verbiage. I, I think we've talked about it on previous previous campaigns. He are, everybody already knew long time ago he was running for president. He's had he has had tons of money poured into his um, campaign coffers 
long, many months ago, meant hundreds of millions, if, if not a billion, you know what I mean? Right. And so nobody really understood, for me personally, I mean, I, you're not gonna know who donated why, but it's not because he's provided any prescient policy. Uh, yeah, this is not Martin Luther King. This is not um, uh, Chomsky. This is uh, on foreign policy. This is not a guy who has said, the American people want and need this, and then a bunch of Americans donated $50 a piece. No, no, no. This is a billionaire-class puppet, in my opinion. He, we've known he's going to be a president, the significant challenger to Trump for at least six months, if not way more than that, right? So the verbiage of it is, hey, this is the first domino. This is our launch. But I disagree with that. This is just another domino, like you said, uh, you know, use it helping Twitter spaces and helping his campaign. And then he'll, he'll jump platforms, right? He'll be on Newsmax. He'll be on Fox and CNN. He'll be on podcasts. He'll be, you know what I mean? This is just one thing in the, in the cog of the, the DeSantis machine, which has a lot of money. Although I did see an article that said there might be a technicality to where he can't use much of the money he's raised so far because of the designations. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about uh, that. They'll, they'll, they'll figure that. it out. They'll but figure that out. Yeah. Political says that he has around a, um, anywhere from uh, 110 to 200 million um, accessible, and now he has about 8.2 million in the first 24 hours after the Twitter spaces. Uh, Joe Biden, with that link that he sent, I think he raised three million off of that um, because he said but this links works, and he put that ah, as, yeah, as, a, yeah, yeah. as a tweet. Team uh, Biden did did a, a Trumpy type creative thing there. That was good. Yeah, good, good job, guys. Actually, <laughs> thinking about doing something creative. That was, that was a good job. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tim Scott also ran or, or launched his presidential bid um, to much less pomp and circumstance than this, and a lot less uh, you know media buzz. But you know he's in the race. He's his whole push was um, what, 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 what did they say? What, what was his tagline? Uh, uh, I don't know what his tagline was, but it was a much more uplifting kind of positive messaging. It wasn't, you know, uh, Biden is a crook, Hunter Biden's a crook, all the negative, you know, and you go woke, you go broke. Oh, it's it, uh, victimhood or victory, grievance or greatness. Yeah. And, and yeah. he's basically playing into the, you know, the race narrative. Um, and he's obviously black running for president of the United States. Well, I think he's talking about Trump, too. And I think DeSantis, that's one thing we kind of um, glossed over without talking about how are these Republicans going to distance themselves uh from trump and you know that messaging uh what was it victory or or victim things like that trump plays the victim card do you look at that as a, as a trump uh, uh talking point i do i, I look at it as a, as, a, as a race talking point i looked at it as a trump talking oh point. interesting yeah right that, that that's cool that's the reason why we we need to do this kind of stuff more but um yeah i think desantis and and these guys right there's a lot of never trumpers still Still to this day, there's tons of never Trumpers and Trump did lose to Joe Biden, who, you know, ran for president a few times before this most recent time and never did. <laughs> I don't even know if he got over 1% of the vote. You know what I mean? So, and he's worse off than ever before and Trump lost to him. So there's a lot of Republicans that, you know, want an alternative to Trump and the kind of, you know, the goofy the goofy stuff that is Trump's stump speeches and Twitter rags and all this stuff that Trump does. So I think Trump plays the victim card and the media hates me and they're pro they're literally prosecuting me. The government is prosecuting me. You know, he plays that role really, really, really well. And I think that DeSantis, DeSantis's thing was we need to move forward, not backwards. We need a winning Republican party, not a losing Republican party. Um, so I do think those are things to help those two candidates in the primary. The, the race thing probably isn't untrue. That's probably not untrue. 
but I saw it through the Trump light. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 I would push back that says that I think that that is just the narrative of anybody who's running for president right now is taking. I think it's Democrat and Republican, unless you're a mainstream Democrat um, like a Biden and, you know, basically <clears throat> just want things to be status quo. Um, I think that that's to say the media media is against me or making a narrative is, you know, um, what everybody's taking. I mean, that's why yeah, they tried the to, they, huh? they tried to do that on DeSantis too. Um, that David Sachs guy was like, I saw Time did this slander piece. I saw. Well, that's why they launched on Twitter. Yeah, you know, they're just trying to do something alternative to yeah. the the media and the narrative. And I, and they do have a point. If if you if you you know go to do a traditional rally again, from my conversation yesterday, um, and I keep saying that because I want to give my friend credit because he had a lot of good points yesterday, um, but. If you went to a, do a traditional rally, you had people from, you know, CNN and Fox and Politico and Time and uh, the AP and NPR and, you know, BBC and all these other people. And everybody's going to take what the, the same message from that rally um, and put it through their, you know, their kind of like their branding. Editorializing. The editorial yeah. branding and then make their narrative about what happened at the rally. And, you know, and they cut out that bullshit by going to, to Twitter. And, he, and th that's that's a that's a valid point. That's a valid point. Yeah, I think if you look at polls um, about Republican voters, <clears throat> and I'm very distrusting of polls, but I also know it to be true from my time campaigning out on the street, um, Republicans are number one issue for a while now, for a while now, has been the media's fucking us. The media is the, is the heart of the problem. And so I don't think he can go on Fox. Matter of fact, I think that's part of the Trump Murdoch dance as well. And Trump, Trump, Tucker, Murdoch dance as well is, you know, the media is trying to fuck me. The media is trying because if you run a poll and 80 percent or 85 percent of Republicans tell you the media is the number one problem in the United States of America, lack of informing of the public honestly, then the last thing you want is for BlackRock's companies or Comcast companies or Rupert Murdoch's companies to be the one being seen as to propel you. You know, New York Times, Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, you know, like we were talking about the billionaires pulling the strings. So um, I think that's exactly right. What you said about DeSantis, trying to do something different and trying to show, hey, whoa, I'm not supported. I'm the, the mainstream media is against me because that's their voter base is the Republican primary voters. Well, yeah, I was just pushing back. that He says, like, you know, Scott's trying to be the more more like uh, normal or not normal, more uplifting and. And, you know, just doing the normal, they're all saying like, hey, no, the media is kind of, that's, yeah. what, that's what I'm saying. RFK will say it, everybody will say it, you know. You, you, become, you become not the, uh, the front runner and the media does treat you differently. And even if and when you're a front runner, uh, depending on what side you're on, the, the media will treat you differently, you know. Yeah, we, we, I mean, I agree with Republican voters who say, you know, we are at the whims of, of the media in this country. You know, in Cleveland, I can say with certainty, you know, I, I was out, I got 4,000 signatures, you know, uh, minorities, right? Black people would tell me, they don't do our news. They don't do our news. Mm. They don't do our news. And I said, yeah, that's true. They don't do our news. And they don't put me in the paper during my campaign. I've sent them numerous press releases. Numerous, they had their candidate, you know, or candidates, Kevin Kelly, you know what I mean? Even the top notch people who end up losing. So uh, we don't- Explain that a little more when you said that they don't do our news. They don't do our news. So, so if you uh, follow the news in your various locality, you know, I think it's applicable everywhere, but in Cleveland, we've really seen a downfall with population loss. Um, just look at the things that are in the news, right? The, the, in Cleveland, the last like month, it's been all the West Side market needs money. That's funny. The yeah. West Side market needs money. The West Side market needs money. 
a month worth of this, if not more. Okay, that's not untrue. There's nothing untrue about that. But there is, um, let's take Collinwood, right? City of Cleveland. They lose their Dave's grocery store mm -hmm. six months ago. They maybe put one thing in the paper about it six months ago when Dave's was like, we're, we have to close our doors. We're not making any I know money. That. I know that Dave's. Yeah, yeah. I've been, to, I've campaigned That's like that the Dave's. only store around there too. Exactly right. Exactly right. So what you don't see, that's why you need robust news and media. What you're not seeing is maybe what needs to be taken care of, what needs to be repaired. And so to do a month's plus worth of news on the West Side market, which sure is a regional asset. It's not just Cleveland, just like these sports stadiums, uh, which are also, you know, whatever. And then to leave Collinwood to figure it out yourselves right. instead of set the agenda like CNN with Trump and, and That's a very good point because, you know, we're talking about for-profit media and for-profit news. I mean, so, uh, like, Cleveland is a poor, a poor town, but the places with higher income have, are not majority black. They're majority white. And so by covering, and I'm just working this out like for a, from a business aspect, aspect, to cover the places with more income will uh, allow them to pay attention to the news, which allows them to run ads, which allows them to pay more attention to buy Get different products. Get more clicks, yep. And so, so it's easy to, you know, if you're from a uh, poor part of Cleveland, which happens to be black, um, which we could talk about why that is, for rent lighting, whatever, um, and not investment, and then of course taking out Dave's, <laughs> you know, different things like that. Um, you're not creating revenue because they're probably not going to be by, you know, spending. They don't have expendable income to, you know, go buy the things that are on the ads to subscribe to the news and so on and so forth. So this is a this is a um, news bias by choice by by revenue, right? Uh, right by must by revenue because you know if your business fails and Cleveland.com has little bit of competitors in the Cleveland scene or I don't know the plain press not much it's the main player but let's say they did have competitors they would want readers reading their news over their their significant competitor so that's really why uh, like Warren Buffett way back in the day bought like a Buffalo newspaper or something like that and there was two competing newspapers and he and his newspaper end up dominating the other one which you know went away and back in the day like 100 years ago or 80 years ago Cleveland did have uh I don't know if it was the Cleveland News or what it was, but a second kind of competing mainstream news thing. So there's corporate profit, look at it, but it's also supposed to be the public interest. So that's why NPR, you know, you wish that we had, um, it can't just be local Facebook groups, right? It can't be the West Park Facebook group that tells you about what's going on in West Park. You would hope that well, it's well, the why plan. Not? I mean, so, I mean, that... Then we come into like this whole problem of like, okay, fine. If it's for profit, that means it's you know it's, it's a private company and they're gonna have to do what's best for the bottom line, or else they're gonna go broke and we won't have a newspaper. Then if we say if it's publicly funded, then we say, oh well, the government's actually gonna be, and that's the whole thing that we're talking about with, with Elon. We sent that tweet about NPR and they labeled them like a state-owned media or whatever. They say yep. the same thing with with a with some place in um, some media in, in, in Canada. You know, that's what the problem. Then people are skeptical. It's like, oh, now it's controlled by the Biden administration or you know the the shadow elites or, or something like that. So we have that problem. So why not Facebook groups? Why not like we have this, you know, local advocacy trying to get uh, as much news out as possible. Uh, over here, we have the Westlife over on the, uh, over here, like um, Bay. Uh, Bay, it, it covers Bay, River, Avon Lake, Westlake, Fairview. And I think, uh, I think that's it, Royalton? I should have picked one up at Mojo's. I saw like the local news. Oh, I, 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 I have okay. And then we have the Observer, which is um, a, uh, we have the Observer, which is a, a local. I think it's. I think everybody just contributes 
and it is free. It's a free paper with free contributions and free editorials and stuff like that. I don't think anybody works for there, but it, it's such a complicated question. Like everything you just raised is so legitimate. All I can say is, without understanding how to design the most right process to show that Collinwood gets the coverage and the the agenda setting to change change the place for the better instead of let it kind of decline. But whereas the West Side Market, you know, is getting now $10 million and people are mad about that. They wanted 40, they wanted 15, 20, they wanted 40. Um, checks and balances and different groups, like I said, Facebook groups, local newsletters and stuff is, is very important. But here's what I'll say. Elon Musk owning Twitter. Bill Gates, if you dug deep on Bill Gates, this dude contributes or funds so much media. Like, and all of these arms, maybe not the Cleveland scene, you know, but BlackRock and Bill Gates, they're in, they're big donators in public media. They're big donator don to journalism schools, mm -hmm. you know, to institutions that do, that teach journalists to become journalists and stuff like that. He's got his hand in everything. And so the question therein lies, is that paper or is that journalist ever, ever going to be able to write something critical of one of its funders? Well, I mean, I, it, I, it depends on the, who's the funder. Obviously, I, I don't. I always don't like like, like money. Who are, if you donate to something, then all of a sudden it's, it's a corrupt organization. I think that's just a, also a false narrative. It's like, oh, Bill Gates donates to journalism, journalism school, so therefore all journalists must must you know like Bill of Gates. Of course, of course. Or you know, Jeff Bezos owns you know Wapo, Post, yeah. you know, and 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 so Wapo won't ever write anything bad about him. Um, I think that might be, be true, though. You think Washington Post wrote a bunch of I, bad, I think that one bad might be pieces true. about Amazon and its workplace environment? Yeah, no, that, that one might be true. Uh, but I don't think that's the, I, I, that's the exception. I don't think that's the rule. Yeah. And so, I, I, I don't know, I just don't... There, there are people who do philanthropy and, and, and finance things just because they, they, you know, they do respect you know, the, the medium, the profession, and so on and so forth. And if you do have the means, you try to find ways to use said means. You know, and obviously, tax write-offs and benefits and, and uh, their own pet projects and stuff like that so um what i'll say is getting back to what began this discussion republican voters in the in a republican primary i'm, I'm not too sharp today by the way <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah a good night last night no just i i had a, a caffeine dirty chai tea so i'm 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 jumping at the bit but um again it lies very heavy with republican voters and one thing that desantis is going to score points with is the same thing rfk is currently scoring points with why did you censor doctors? Why did you censor, why did you shame Joe Rogan? Why did you do these things when we were trying to figure out stuff about this new virus? Why did it seem to end up as, as just a wealth transfer, whereas well, 90, 90%, 100%. Exactly. It was 100% a wealth, wealth transfer. It was, it was a, they made a product and somebody was gonna get really fucking rich off of it. And that's what happened, and, and people know that happened. People seen that was what happened. It's a big issue with Republican voters in the primary. Um, I don't disagree with Republican voters on that. Uh, you, you do not censor information. You put, you've said this a ton of times, give the people the information, give the people the give information, the, people the, information. And, uh, the, the individual might make the wrong choice, but if you get enough people together, the right choice, will, the right outcome will, will come together. I personally think. Right. And transparency itself is a good check on bullshit. Transparency itself is a good check on bullshit. So, um, they didn't like how COVID 
was handled. They didn't like that um, certain academics and certain medical professionals lost their jobs and were not allowed on. And YouTube was telling you, this is disinformation. This is disinformation. You know, the, uh, whatever platform, CNN, this is, the, they didn't like that. that. Was, it was, uh, to be honest with you, hindsight, it was, it was quite phenomenal. I mean, it was such an interesting time. I mean, at the beginning of COVID, we all thought we were going to turn, turn into zombies. You remember? Like, I remember it was like March and, you know, Sarah's a, a doctor and she, she would she would come in to you didn't know Sarah was a doctor I didn't know oh so, so Sarah's a doctor she was working at her clinic and you know she would come in we, she would call me before she got home and so I'd prep like the coming home station for her with uh, uh, alcohol and she would take off her clothes outside and we'll spray it down and spray out her teas and she'll go straight into the shower so if she wasn't getting it was it was it was fucking crazy I knew all kinds of doctors are doing the same thing like they're changing in the garage because they didn't want anybody to get get the COVID and then it was just crazy Dude, I quit my job at the Justice Center because oh, yeah. of COVID. Really? I quit my job. So, um, <clears throat> you know, and that was right at the heart of it. That was March 2020. I loved the people I worked with. I met my wife at the Justice Center. But I also had two, um, you know, per specifically two unwell, sick, elderly family members. And we didn't know anything. You know, we didn't know anything. That's why you need more and more and more and more information. Right, we right. didn't know anything. The NBA shut down. DeWine shut down the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic. Right. Like before any before anybody in America was moving, DeWine shut that down and the NBA shut down. And I'm a huge NBA fan. At the time, I was a Cavs season ticket holder. You know, so um, I'm telling you, Republican voters, I think you're going to see crossover. I think you're going to see some people in this Republican primary crossover to vote for RFK Jr. against Biden because of the real Dr. Fauci book and, and a lot of his points on this. Oh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, and then once they use this, um, like, this mass uh, hysteria uh, that we're going through, which, I, I, right, right or wrong at the time, because we didn't know anything. And again, we're all going to turn into fucking zombies. This was it. This was the plague, <laughs> you know? Um, I'm happy that, you know, happy that it didn't turn out that way. But, yeah, it was very easy to leverage that against, you know, and use that fear and use that, you know, caution in for, for right or for wrong. For profit, I mean, it, to say that it, it, it that couldn't have happened is being willfully ignorant. Right. Willfully ignorant. Exactly. That somebody right. didn't just say say Carpe Diem seize the day and just uh, let's let's milk this for all it's worth. Exactly right. So I, I just think uh, in the Tim another thing that's interesting about the Tim Scott thing is I think him and Nikki Haley are both sitting elected officials in South Carolina. Um, you know, double check double check me on that, but. I think he's a senator. He's a he's a senator, but I thought I thought she was a former governor. I don't know if she's elected right now. Is she? Oh, oh, maybe she's former. Or is she current yeah. governor? This shows Wait. you how little I usually care about the Republican field. Um, but I think I also think I'm sorry I didn't do the full research on this. I also think South Carolina is an open primary state. So I think when you have positive, uplifting message messengers, if you will, with Tim Scott and Nikki Haley, who aren't doing the whole, the world is out to get me and fuck the left and fuck Biden and the Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. Um, that's an open primary state. Joe Biden, I think, is riding pretty much uh, quite a bit of his his plan, his campaign plan and hopes on um, the same thing happening as that happened last time. Um, Clyburn endorsing him in South Carolina, him winning a huge majority in South Carolina and, um, you know, the, being that his domino effect as the way it was three years ago. So Tim Scott and Nikki Haley coming, I, I'm pretty sure Nikki Haley's from South Carolina, right. um, 
that's an open primary state. So Democrats who are now fed up, right? We've talked about how the world changes from 1973 to 2023. Democrats who are getting more and more and more and more fed up with establishment Democrat rule could easily, just like I think that certain Republican voters will go into a primary and vote for RFK, I could see certain Democrat voters going to that open primary in South Carolina and voting for Tim Scott or Nikki Haley. You know, so. so Nikki Haley was was yeah governor, and then she was appointed by Trump to be the best of the United Nations, and that was the last place that she or office that she held. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think there's gonna be some crossover. I yeah, think this crossover. Is the, I think there's going to be. Um, I think it's pretty obvious. I was talking, I was doing more petitions this past week. Uh, I was standing in um, over here in Bay Village, over at Bay Lodge, and I was talking to this uh, old. Plain dealer reporter. He's very. He, he worked at the plain dealer for 38 years. He, he retired in you know 2008, I think he said. And so you know, 38 years from he retired in 2008. He's a, he's a, he's, guy. he's an old timer with, with a lot of experience from the you know late 60s through 2008. He just told me stories about the plain dealer and things that he, some stories that he covered and how the plain dealer used to whatever um, operate. But and he's a very active Democrat in the Democratic Party. You know, he's, so he's getting petitions. He's you know attending the meetings. He when, he, when I got there. This, you know, you know, probably 80-something-year-old guy was setting up tables, you know, so he's very active. That's awesome. And, and I, said, I said, what do you think about Biden running? He's like, I wish he was. I wish he was not. I wish he wasn't. He's like, yeah. for, for him, he's like, there's nobody else that, there's nobody else, because he's not going to do RFK. He says RFK is not a job. And he, and he doesn't even know who Marion Williamson is. Um, it, it, the thing that he doesn't like about Kennedy was the anti-vax thing. He's like, and, but I think that that's wrong because they, everybody labeled him the anti-vax, but they have to understand why he was saying what he was saying. Um... And, uh, um, but he's not, but he's not happy about Biden. So that's, you know, he's not happy about Biden. But then again, he's also asking the question of who else is there? And I'm like, I think that's a horrible, um, if you're asking that question, I mean, the Democrats have done a horrible job of promoting or picking up, you know, new upcoming talents, which there's plenty of them. You're going to try to tell me in a, stop. You're going to try to tell me in a, in a, in a country with a population of 330 million people that there aren't some astounding talents that are public speakers that have great policy that are in, in public office right now that you can highlight for uh, higher positions and whatever. I think it's just it's, it's absurd to think that Biden is the only choice. Now, I don't think, know if they're a president worthy, but I mean, start getting them on that path. Uh, as somebody who ran, you know, in a nonpartisan election, but was open about the fact that I was a lifelong Democrat, um, you don't win elections at a significant level, whether it be U.S. House, Senate, mayor, governor, you don't win those elections unless you do not stray from Democrat politics dogma. And so, in other words, now it's Mayor Pete's job, it's Kamala's job, it's probably even Barack and Michelle's job to throw their full support behind Joe Biden for a re-election term. Whereas this guy is just a regular guy with no power, an 80-year-old that sees what we all see. I don't even know if Joe Biden could give a coherent 10-minute speech at this point, let alone do a two-hour debate. Um, it, it's uh, Cory Booker. Name the name. Name the name. It's their job to fall in line. It's more of a religion and a dogma than it is Elizabeth Warren. You cannot stray. You cannot stray, right? And if you do stray, CNN and MSNBC will call you a whack job. They will 100%. call you. Will be branded a whack job, or or they'll, they'll start set, setting you setting you up with some kind of bullshit yeah, like we're all a imperfect. charge or whatever. Yeah, we, that's that's one of the nerve wracking <clears> things <throat> for me personally. I, I don't know about you. You might be a you might be a much more uh, I don't know just good or moral individual than me. But when you first start thinking about running for office, I mean, you're like, oh man, but I've done so much fucked up shit. 
I've done so oh, much. Yeah. I've done so no, much fucked up I, shit. I, I think you know, that's a really good that's a really good statement because I think a lot of people don't run for office because they're like, oh, you know, I did all this stupid stuff. I, I think that the best politician or the best person to run for office embraces the stupid shit that they did and say, put it out there, fuck and, it, and that's Trump to a T. Put it, put it out there, bring it to me, and, yeah. I, and that is Trump to a T. And I think that more people are are starting to be that. What was that movie? And, I, and I, like this is, a, I, I think that the whole idea of this movie was was courage. Remember that it was the vice president; it was a female. Um, she, there was a sex tape with her doing a threesome, um, in college and, and they brought it out. What, what movie was that? This is that? a fictional movie, right? This is a fictional movie. No, but, I don't know. But, and then the president was, um, who, who's that played by? Man, I can't remember. What was that movie? But anyway, long we'll story. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> anyway, long story short, long story short, here's the, here's the thing of the whole thing of the movie is that there was a sex tape that came out that people said that that was her in a threesome during college, you know, two guys, one girl. And she was, she was being named vice president or she was vice president or some kind of high cabinet, something like that. And they were just slandering her. And she would not break. She would not break. She did not deny it. She did not own it. She just said, this is not, this is sexist. Like, if this was, if this was uh, two girls on the president, you would be saying something different. Uh, you're, you're trying to slander me for, you know, enjoying myself. I'm an adult. This was consent. You know, whatever. And I, and I thought that was, like, that was just the, uh, the whole idea of that movie was, was courage and how they're going to slander you. At the end, the president came out to, I, I'm assuming, again, the vice president, or the soon-to-be vice president, or whatever, and, and, and this is the very, ad, and I'm going to ruin the movie for everybody, but, well, sorry, spoiler alert, if you figure out the movie. <laughs> I, I don't remember the, remember the name. Um, but he, he, said, he said, that wasn't you in the video, was it? She's like, no, that, that, never, that never wasn't me, but I'm going to own it because, first of all, it had nothing to do with my politics, had nothing to do with the direction of the country, had nothing to do with my, me being capable or not, had nothing, had everything to do with slander, had everything to do with sexism, had everything to do with shit that you shouldn't have even been talking about. Right. And I was like, I like that. I was like, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, some the principles. Whole, the that's moral some of the principles. story was great in the fact that, you know, this character did not break because most yeah. people would have broke. Oh, that's not me. That ain't oh, me. Man. Yeah, you got to, you got to send that to me. And again, uh, tomorrow night is the, tomorrow night's the finale of Succession. You know, art. Is it the season or the series? The series finale. Uh, and now I might watch it because it's only four se- seasons. Four right? seasons, but they're all, it's like hour long episodes, Thank 10, God. 12 episodes a, a, a year or whatever. I mean, it's a great show, but, um, you know, that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, uh, you can get slandered or propped up despite your follies, right? So Cory Booker is not going to say the same things that that 80-year-old that you were that you were petitioning with yesterday. Cory Booker is not allowed to say the things that the 80-year-old's allowed to say. Now, Joe Biden... Joe Biden might have done all the bad stuff in his life, him and Hunter. They may have done all the bad stuff in their life, but they get the support of the message, you know, of who sets the narrative and and who does the headlines, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, Meet the Press. So me wanting to run, you know, it's like, well, but I've done a bunch of fucked up shit and I don't want to spit their dogmas out. I want to propose term limits. I want to get money out of politics. I do want to put humans before corporations, things like that. Well, and I do think that's part of DeSantis' pitch, by the way, with the Disney thing. I, I disagree with it. I think he did it wrong. Um, I wouldn't have gone the same route he did. But I do think that's a big part of his populist pitch is, you know, go woke, go broke. Disney is this corporation that has too much power. Well, that's the kind of stuff I wanted to say when I ran. And I got, I got no support from the Democratic Party, even though I think I'm a good lifelong Democrat and I've largely voted Democrat. You know, so I don't think you have good young candidates who are trying to buck the system. You know, I don't think you have. I, I think I think we do. It's just the, how does the system work? Oh, by the way, the, the film is called The Contender is from 2000. Excellent movie. Oh, I'm gonna check that Excellent out. Excellent movie. Um, I, I, but I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really interesting. 
I'm really interested to see how this turns out in this uh, next 2024 election, because we do have a lot of younger people coming out to try to buck the the status quo and the like the institutional you know candidates. I know that um, prosecutor Michael Malley is going to be challenged, and I'm really really curious to see one who the challenger is, how that this person um, is going to position himself politically, and also like what the party is going to do. Um, when it comes to either endorsements or looking at that and throwing support behind, because Michael Malley is, you know, he's uh, an institution. He's, he's part of the Democratic Party. Yeah. If you will know him. I mean, you're, and then if the Democratic Party went against him, I'd be surprised. That's not how it usually works, right? Right, right. So I'm really curious to see how this how this is going to work. So, yeah, yeah. 2024 is um, a, for me personally, as somebody who does kind of see the angles and sees the game. It's very interesting. I wish that we had less people homeless. I wish that people more had a living wage. I know there's real life consequence. I think our foreign policy is murderous, you know, things like this. Um, but I do appreciate, um, you know, as an ex-professional poker player, the, the, the game of it and how the results are going to turn out and who's going to make their arguments and who's going to stand with who and who's going to buck what, stuff like that. Uh, I think, just like I was talking about crossover. Yeah, grab some water. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like the crossover voting, I also think you're going to see a lot of non-voting. You, you want know? some water? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, Trump lost last time, not because he had less support, um, but in part, two Republicans are losing. They didn't take a huge majority of the House. They didn't take the Senate back. I think a lot of Republican voters are staying home by choice. So I think not only will you have some crossover, I think you'll have more non-voting with people who are, and this is Democrats as well, with people who are in Cleveland for muni elections, as you know, no, you know, no, true. I mean, it's it's pretty fair to say. Have I been getting in the way of your camera? No, I don't think so. Not that I know. Yeah, you'd have to be way over there. Yeah, oh, yeah. But um, I think you're going to see more and more non-voting. You know, I, I think this lesser evil thing uh, is starting to get tapped out. Um, I think people realize, well, the policies really don't change. They, they do a lot of bipartisan stuff that's not good for me. And then they they fall back on the excuse of, well, we don't have a super majority to do the things that would be good for me. Notice your glass. Wine with the wine. That's amazing. <laughs> remember, uh, we have snacking with Dr. Acton over here. You remember the, the uh, what was it, the two o'clock or three o'clock? Uh... Press, press conferences? Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, it, 2024 is going to be the most what interesting. What happened to Dr. Yeah. Acton? Like, everybody thought she was going to run for Senate. I thought she was took a job... <clears throat> For, for Bib in Cleveland, but I don't know. I really? don't speculate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but let's move, let's move on. I don't even know where the hell we went with this. Uh, but J.D. Vance is, uh, is endorsing Bernie Marino for a Senate. Um, surprised? No. Dude, you taught me about this. You you um, you had well, this, I had a theory. It looks like the theory's coming true. I think the theory is going to be true. Yeah. Um, the theory is is that, well, first of all, Bernie Marino is the father-in-law of Max Miller, who is the congressman who I ran against. And uh, Bernie Marino ran for Senate uh, last cycle. He was told to drop out probably by Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump was, my, my opponent, Max Miller, was the first person to get endorsed by Donald Trump. Uh, Trump endorsed Vance and Max. They both won. And I think that there's no way that Trump's going to go against his boy Max and his father-in-law, Bernie Marino, and not endorse. So I think that the first tell of this is that the Trump-endorsed J.D. Vance is now endorsing Bernie Marino. And we're just going to, it's going to keep going down the line of Trump endorsed candidates or that whole, I don't want to call it like posse, just endorsing each other. And I think Bernie Marino is going to easily walk away with the nomination, no matter if Frank LaRose gets in or not. I Easy. think, um, 
Yeah, yeah, that, that think, was very pressing. That was very... Uh, I think Warren Davison's going to jump in, too, but I don't think that he has a um, a chance. I mean, okay, I hate when saying people don't have a chance. He might have a chance, but I'm just saying with, with the backing of... Trump and Trump Vance. and Max and Vance and, and those Thiel. networks yeah. and Peter Thiel. Yeah, it's, Is it Thiel or Thiel? I think it's Peter Thiel. Thiel, okay. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was... Um, I hate it. I hate it. And one of the things I like that Trump actually did... There was two guys running for like Senate in Missouri or something, and he was just like, "I'm." In, let's say the first name was Ken. I can't remember what the guys, the two guys' first name was. The same name. He's like, "I'm. In, I'd like to endorse Ken," and that's all he said. <laughs> and it's like when you do this. Um, how many months are we? 15, 18 months out. Um, well, I guess the primary is more like less than that, but um, it's very anti-democratic. So for JD Vance to. I don't know, act like he's ever trying to strengthen democracy or care about his voter base. You know, what J.D. Vance, I, I, now I'm telling him how to, how to do I, I, this I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back because I think J.D. Vance has, besides, you know, he, everybody's playing playing the playing to the base, but he has done a lot of bipartisan stuff with, with Sherrod Brown. The, the railroad you, thing. You, you, don't, you, don't like, you don't like Brown anyway. So. I don't like either of them. <laughs> I mean, I don't like anybody that's sitting, uh, current sitting politician. Right. You know, that was, in, that was had millions of dollars you know, plugged into their elections. You know, same thing that's happening with this HB1, uh, Richard Uline or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't like the I don't like the puppet class. I don't like the puppet class and I don't like the puppet master class. And um, I just think if you cared about my Republican neighbors and West Park is turning more and more red, um, you would just let them vote for who they want to vote for. The way that J.D. Vance... So my election was, was, one of, uh, was a pretty good one. We did like numerous debates. People were really like interested because it was an incumbent stepping down a bunch of non-incumbents it was like oh this is you know this is kind of interesting i actually have a little bit of a choice well that's what it kind of happened in the republican senate race you had rob portman and incumbent stepping out so now you get a bunch of new names stepping up new new supposed voices new hopefully policy proposals but i mean why you're just like you're saying you're just endorsing him because you have this network you're not endorsing him because He's fighting for, let's say, I always use this example, he's fighting for term limits, but Frank LaRose isn't. You know, there's, not, there's no policy there. There's no policy there. One of, one of the biggest themes to the conversations I have with, uh, with, again, the other friend that I have, which, by the way, next week we're, we're going to have him on the show. Yeah, you got more than one other friend. Well, Stop it. We're going to have, we're gonna have my, buddy, my buddy Aaron, who was my first campaign manager. Oh, um, cool. And we, just, we, we, we talk politics a lot because we are, at, we are very similar but also different on a lot of things because he's, he leans Republican. I lean Democrat, you know, so, um, but we're both pretty, pretty independent and pretty moderate at the same time. Uh, but let's have him on the, ne the next week. I love it. Let's have him on next week. And, we, and then I, I invite a guest and you invite a guest the week after, yeah. you know, find somebody and we get, we get our buddies. Oh here. yeah. With our networks, you know, the people I campaign <laughs> with and, and against and stuff like that. I, you know, we definitely made some, some interesting connections in politics, which is, you know, unlike, I suppose most people that just what stay the hell out. was I going to say that I was going to say something about it before, but not just talk about my friend, uh, Vance and, and Marino and all that. Son of a bitch. I don't even know what the hell I was going to say. <laughs> anyway, long story short, uh, debt crisis, we don't know how that's going to play out, honestly. Yeah, we can wait a week, at least a week on that. Probably. We can talk, I mean, the Oath Keeper, we, 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 can talk, we, we don't have to talk about, uh, but I do want to talk about uh, Cleveland's budget initiative. Oh, I, I definitely want to talk about that because I'm going to help them get signatures. Um, just, I'll try and explain a little bit about because despite being a lawyer and, a, and an ex-politician, I, I haven't read the, the actual amendment, but what it is is they want to do a charter amendment in the city of Cleveland to make it so that 2%, 2 of the city budget goes toward a group, um, like appointed 10, uh, 10, 11 people, that will then divvy it up, divvy up that, that um, 
in the way that this citizen group wants it to be divvied up. I mean, I can tell you right now that will not be going to billionaires. You know, <laughs> a slice may go to the West Side Market. You know, it's still going to be an influence battle. It's still going to be um, a, a fight, a debate, things like that. But um, we're trying to put it on the ballot so that the people can vote on it. Hey, do you want 2% of our budget, of your tax dollars, to be allotted by this separate group from city council and the mayor? Because... Um, I, I, I think this is weird. Because, I mean, it's like, give me money so we can have a democratic process to manage that money. But that's what elected officials are for. That's the, I mean, that's the and argument so, against it. That's the argument against it. But this has happened in at least like 40 cities, maybe even over 100 cities. Participatory budgeting has happened in Boston. It's happened in numerous places. Uh, I think usually it's 1% of their budget. But the argument for this is, or one of the, there's many arguments for this, but one of it is, hey, people are not voting. People don't believe that they're, elected officials are really um, stewarding their tax dollars with their best interests, the community's best interests in mind. This is a way for us to get involved more directly for people who've given up, people who have just given up with it. Right. You know, so that it, that's one of the major factors, re-involving the populace in politics and government and tax dollars, so. You're it, not it, buying it. it. I, you know, it's not that I don't buy it. It's just I don't see how it's not going to be um, another, you know, power broker corruption uh, as well. It's like it's like you're just creating another outside group that has power to control a budget that's going to use it for the things that they want anyway. That you probably don't have any influence over, no matter how democratic you make it. So it's like, hey, shave off some money over here so I can control my own budget to do the things I want to do, not the things you want to do. And is it actually going to be for the people? I don't know if there's any checks and balances for that. Um, and maybe there's maybe there's you know. Ways to check check and balance that. I just don't see why 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 you would want to do that. And it's also kind of saying like, hey, we don't trust our elected officials to manage the budget. Um, so instead of you know using democracy for it, we're actually going to be going to a more a libertarian idea for for it. And maybe if you're a libertarian or, or maybe if you believe in libertarianism, then this is the ultimate solution. It's like, hey, you guys can't manage the money as well as the individual. So just let me do what I want to do with my money, my tax dollars or whatever. And so let me use my community. And, and whatever to spend this money. So I don't trust you. Let me just take it myself, which is basically libertarian philosophy. Like, why am I paying taxes to you when I can spend this money better? And get uh, me more involved. So we're, I, I think the involvement part is, is again, the, is the trump card. I, I think that the fact is in Cleveland, and again, they have done this in many other cities. I have to get the amount, but um, they've done this in many other cities. In Cleveland, nobody is voting. Nobody is voting. They only need 10% um, of the um, last amount of votes in the mayoral to get this on the ballot. That comes to like just under 6,000 signatures. So that means 60,000 people about voted in that mayoral election that I was in, in the general, not the primary. Primary was much less. Right. So if you're telling me, if you're telling me, geez, what would it be? Uh, under 20% of people in a city are voting on who their mayor should be, you know, on who their council person should be. Um, they're disengaged. They've given up. They're moving out. And so I get it. Council and the mayor want to think that this is why you elected us. But really, more people did not vote for you. Far more. Just said, mm, not vote for either True. one of them because I know who supports them. I know what they're proposing. They don't represent my interest. They do not represent my interest. They they'll give my tax dollars to charter schools when I want them to go to public schools. They'll give my dollars to the billionaire owners when I just want the pothole, when I just want the pothole paved. You know what I mean? So you're right. It is a, it gets a little bit more toward individual stewardship 
of your own tax. But it's still a democratic process in that this thing will go on the ballot so people can vote against it. And then once it, it let's say it passes, then you've got to do a vote among community members. You, you know what I mean? So it's not individual. A, a street or a community has to decide, hey, uh, West, West 142nd is really fucked up. That's what we need to prioritize with the first tranche of this 14 million. It, right now, it would come out to be about $14 million. Okay. So you're going to have interest tugging and pulling with how that 14 million should be given out, but it's still going to have to be the group that decides, no individual. So I, I, I love it, actually. I love it. I don't know. I, I just see that. So I think shut off again, so we're just going to be using that camera. Uh, I just see that it's going to be another, you know, you're just kind of like uh, consolidating power to manage a budget that is going to be used just for, you know, individual wants and desires again. So it's like, do we use the democratic process that we have where our city council members and, you know, the mayor actually decides what they're going to do with the money, or are we actually going to start making these little, I guess, fiefdoms? And this is one of the arguments with uh, county council. Right, is that county council had this uh, a chunk of money that was given to them, and they divided it up between each county council member and county council. We used the, this money in weird ways to, you know, prop up their little fiefdom, you know, of you know putting money into like a golf club or whatever. Which why are you putting millions of dollars into a golf club? You know, Parma was probably happy, and whoever owns that golf club or the city or the mayor or whatever. But like, it could have went to much more, you know, because anyway. Long story short, and the same thing happens with um. They, they say that the problem is with uh, city council is that city council is these wards are little fiefdoms. And so what, what you're doing is just making, I think, a another fiefdom within a fiefdom. You're making another bureaucracy and that, that is... Another bureaucracy. How are you going to spend this money? And to be honest with you, the bureaucracy, I, I think, in all these conversations about how we're spending, you know, um, how we're spending money in Cleveland is slowing down the process of really, you know, making things... There's too many too many hands in... in, in just too many pe pe people trying to get some sort of their own personal thing moving around when it comes to Cleveland. And it's like, what we need to do is take all of this ARPA money, we should have took all of the, any, any other uh, discretionary spending money, and we should just put it into how do we clear out all the abandoned buildings, how do we create enough land, how do we use promotions to get businesses here? Get business, get people, get residents, make tax dollars. Why are we doing all this other shit? Well, I mean... Tax dollars didn't fund the schools, but we, right now we have no money, no businesses, no tax revenue, no voters, no nothing. And it's just like we've talked about all this little nickel and dime bullshit to try to help the, it, it's not, we need jobs. We need swaths of land. The, and, and Columbus has almost a damn million people. We talked about this last week. Last, last week. Cleveland has 360,000 people dwindling every day. The poorest city in, in, in the nation, one of the most dangerous cities in the nation. Um, jobs aren't coming here. And then Columbus is getting factories and chip manufacturers and, and, and global companies. We're fucking up. Of course. I mean, that's why I ran for mayor. <laughs> you know what I mean? We we waste our money. We waste our tax dollars. And I'm not the So only why one. would this not be a waste? I think it's a secondary... That one I shut off now. Now we have only one camera. I don't even know if that camera's running. I think it's a secondary... <laughs> I think it's a secondary approach to people who know in their hearts that, again, outside Cleveland interests are kind of, I don't want to say stealing, but funneling the value of our taxes out of there. Again, Jimmy Haslam, Dan Gilbert, the, um, the Guardians, are they probably don't even live in Cleveland proper. They certainly don't care about Cleveland's public schools. They certainly do not. They do not send their kids there. So when you have Cleveland as a Ponzi scheme where people are, are taking out instead of investing in. <laughs> it's a Ponzi scheme. That's great. I love it, that. When people are taking out instead of investing in, the public that remains there is fed up. So we see the direction and the flow of our tax dollars and business dollars. So I like it because it hopefully can get some people involved that are like, I do not think 
this mayor is here to represent me or divvy or put the tax dollars toward the best interests of the community. Look at the public good. Look at roads, parks, schools. I, 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 just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's like, okay, the mayor doesn't represent me, so give me some of the money. The city council doesn't represent me, so give me some of the money. The county council doesn't represent me, so give me some of the money. So instead of finally, instead of fractionalizing and, and making little shards of money, um, further diluting the pool to help the city grow, fucking over, over, overhaul the whole damn system. Like, I, I, would, I would rather do that than, than give, like, a small group of people 2% of the budget. That doesn't make that doesn't make sense. Well, that's a valid argument. I wouldn't say it doesn't make sense, but what you said is an absolutely valid argument. System overhaul. If, System if, if it's not overhaul. working and now we're trying to create this weird workaround where we're now diluting the, the, the pool a little even more so we can't do the things that the city even needs... Well, we'll, we'll, we'll on the on the big scale, right? Overhaul the system. What, what, so when's the, when's the next other two percent? Well, they're not doing the things I wanted them to do. So can I? I need to start my own group so I get two percent of the funds. That, what? That potential is there, and right, and this could end up in court down the road, right? You never know what's going to end up in court, and maybe maybe it's not even going to be the people that decide. Maybe it'll be judges that decide, right? The Ohio State Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of the United States. You know what I mean? But on a bigger scale, right? Uh, me and a lot of people are fed up with. The, and we will talk about the debt crisis next week when, when we learn more about how it's going to be settled. Right. But a bunch of regular people that pay a ton of money on April 15th are sick and tired of billions, hundreds of billions going toward, you know, the, the, the Pentagon and, and military Bro, stuff. Bro, I can't tell you how, how, how much I hate fucking paying taxes in this damn country because yeah. uh, it's not being used properly. It's mismanaged. It's misspent. It's, uh, we're paying absorbent amounts of money for every fucking thing. We're not allowed to negotiate with drug prices. The Pentagon has failed audits, you know, what, five times in a row. They can't account for three to five trillion dollars. It's an absolute fucking joke. And then you want to raise taxes on the pump, on, on, on your consumer goods or on your, on your income. You, you can go fuck yourself. Right. So we don't and have representative government. I'm with you. We need a system overhaul. But anything right now that can re-engage people in the process, because in Cleveland, people are just done with it. And a lot of them that aren't just done with it, they moved to somewhere where they felt like, uh, you know, the social safety net, the public good was more cared for. They've left. They've moved. You know what I mean? So in Cleveland, I think this is... Um, absolutely something that should move forward. Everything that you said about it being another bureaucracy, uh, where's the next 2% after that when I didn't get what I wanted out of the 14 million that was now divvied up to participatory budgeting, the game remains the same. The game remains the same until you change the whole system, of course. But in Cleveland, we're trying to re-engage people that are, that are just like, you know, it's all fucked. So that's what I'll say for it. A quick question. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes is heading to prison for... 11 years. You know who Elizabeth Holmes is? Uh, I don't know the whole story about the Ther is it Theranos? Theranos. But my wife job. told me a little bit about it. I, I saw an article in the New York Times. So yeah, you, you, you would know more than me. But, well, so she got 11 years for this billion dollar of, billion, well, maybe billions of dollars of, uh, of fraud. Do you think 11 years is, is a just amount of time? Probably not. Uh, you know, the, the labeling of what's white collar crime versus what's, I guess, street level crime is um, uh, is messed up. Uh, wage theft is something they just passed in Cleveland. No, I think that when you steal a billion dollars, that's a lot different than stealing a, um, uh, some groceries out of Target or something like that. You know, uh, now it's not a violent crime either. It's a it's a financial crime. But um, I don't know what's the right sentence. But I know we're over sentencing on a lot of lower felony and misdemeanor stuff. I'll say that. Hmm. 
we have a very unjust criminal justice system. So I'm not necessarily. So what, what else would we give 11 years? Just out of curiosity, if you what, what, you can get 11 years for a violent crime, let's say if it's assault, could you get 11 years for assault? One of the bans, I don't. Yeah, felony assault, I think you can get three to 11, but I, I'd have to double check that. You know what I mean? I, it's been a while since I worked. Sure. In the so court. you got 11 years for assault, and what is felony assault? How how do you classify that? Uh, probably. Is it with uh, a deadly did, weapon? Did harm or with the intent to do the intent? Death, yeah, harm. So it's intent to knock your ass out. Probably. And so I get eleven years for that. So do you think my my intent to knock your ass out is is equates to one billion dollars of fraud? I think the billion's worse. That's what, that's what that's what I'm wondering. It's like uh, the and the, here's the thing is like the risk reward is like if she got away with it, she'd be a fucking billionaire, right? And it'd be a lot of real rich people that that also are billionaires because of this. Yeah, blood money. And it's like my risk reward for you know. I'm sorry saying I'm going to knock you the fuck out, yeah. but, you know, knocking somebody out, there's no risk reward. But like, so the upside to this is like almost like saying, hey, only 11 years. Exactly. You know? Yep. White collar crime probably in general is not de-tiered the way we uh, de-tier kind of uh, regular stuff, low level stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. The risk, that's a good way to look at it. The risk reward return on return on devious investment. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's like, it's fine. You're going to give me, yeah, you're going to give me 11 years for the, the potential to become a billionaire. Yeah. And it's like some of these things, especially with the, like, uh, you know, other like money laundering or fraud, like when you get out after 11 years and if you're smart and you actually put stuff away that they can't find, like you could come out after 11 years as a multimillionaire. And well, the, the reality of it too is she probably will get out before 11 years. That's true. You know? that and and some and assault people that have been convicted of assault will, some of them can get out before 11 years as well. Do you so. know the case of uh, Ross Albrecht? No. Ross Albrecht is the guy who created um, uh, Silk Road when he was 26. And basically, he made a... Do you know, remember what Silk Road was? No. So basically, Silk Road was a Craigslist for... Um, and it was an exchange. Okay. A, way, a place where you could put things on for sale. Oh, and, I have heard about this. But it could be everything from legal to illegal stuff. They're using crypto, right? They were using crypto. Um, but you could also do it like, you know, once you get there, you know, I'm going to buy some weed and people buy weed or acid or LSD or Coke. They also did like prostitution. I think some people were actually paying for um, um, like killers or what's, what was it called? Uh, assassins. Yeah. Assassins. Murder for hire. Like all kinds of, it was, it was, it was like, there's a lot of legal stuff small time time crime stuff and then like uh shit's fucking crazy crime but it, so this case ross is a whole thing about uh, freeing ross because he made the site but he the, his argument was like i made an exchange i didn't do the illegal stuff i just made the exchange where the illegal stuff happened i made craigslist i, I didn't i didn't promote it yeah. i didn't take it down but i also didn't promote it i just made the place i made the space and so he got um two life sentences plus 40 years without parole so he's dying in prison because of that what do you think of that sentence Oh, I mean, I'd have to look more into the fact, right? When we talk about the thing on the subway in New York or whatever, I'd have to know a little bit more about the facts, but it sounds over. It sounds overly like in, in Finland or some of these places in Europe, you can't get more than 20 years. You can, you can murder somebody. You can't get more than 20 years. So 40 years to life for creating a, an exchange like Facebook market. No, two lives plus 40. <laughs> whatever. Basically, you're in there. I'm sure he's an adult. Basically, you're in there until you die, unless you get paroled by some nice parole board, which that's not in their best interest to well, do. Well, the reason why I'm also asking that is because uh, I think RFK came out and said he would uh, pardon Ross Albrecht. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I don't know the facts of that case, but that's an over-sentence. That's over-sentencing. We overcharge, we over-sentence, we over-punish. We don't care about people's wellness or um, a le lessening crime. We just uh, pile on and make people more unwell. So we do not have a rehabilitation, a good rehabilitation system in this country, uh, no matter what level, fe misdemeanor, fe muni, federal, um, doesn't matter. 
Uh, I'd have to look more in the case to say, if I was president, would I pardon him? I don't really know the details of it, but I don't think that making a, a marketplace like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist where something devious is going to happen on, what are we, are we, are we putting Tim Cook in jail because people use their iPhone to communicate a conspiracy and kill people? That's, no. I think that's that's the biggest that's the whole point about this is like um, how much responsibility. So again, he was not convicted of selling drugs or anything illegal himself. He was sold. He was responsible for what people did with the site, and his quote is: um, "So quote is supposed to be." Uh, about giving people the freedom to make their own choices, to pursue their own happiness, however the individual saw fit. It turned out to be naive and costly idea, and they deeply regrets. This is from his uh, letter to the court. Um, but yeah, I mean, are you should you, you be held held responsible, you know, for what people do on your site? I mean, I guess that's a whole, that, that is the whole thing. Now that now that he went to jail, and I'm just and I think that the interesting um, hypocrisy with this is like you have a lot of different sites using him for different, you know. Like Twitter, like what's on Twitter or what's on, you know, Truth Social. Well, you said the iPhone, yeah. the hardware. It's like, how is it used? It's not really up to you. You made the product. No. Yeah. Then it's up to the individual. Exactly right. Like, and you know, selling drugs is illegal. But then again, should you have responsibility to take the drugs off your site? Right. Or, or, or be this gets to this gets to too fuzzy of a road, right? Should now we be monitoring? text message, of course, the government's going to say yes to say, hey, we're trying to uh, stop Ill illicit drug transfers, right? You know, I don't care. I don't, just because 2% of the population deals in drugs, me and my family who doesn't should not have our text messages monitored, mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, because this is how the drug dealers do it. They text each other. I don't, it, that doesn't matter. Like, no. Is that I, how they do it, Ross? I don't know. But um, yeah, I'd ha again, I'd have to look at that, but th there's got to be some, um, I think, some sort of band about knowingly, like if he knows that there's a murder for hire transaction going on, then there's, there's gotta be some kind of um, check and balance against that. I highly doubt he did, but maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I am not God. I don't know how to fix it all. Is Ross short for something? Well, my dad's legal name is Rosario. Okay. So I'm on in the church, in the Catholic church, my baptismal certificate is Rosario. But from the hospital, my birth certificate is Ross. So I'm, okay. I'm an American. He's an Italian, I guess you could say. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we rambled enough today. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I love this shit, though. All right, man. I'll talk to you.